0: I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Sarah. And welcome to Multilingual Mamas.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Multilingual Mamas. We have made a point to interview bilingual young adults in the second season, and today we're not going to disappoint. We have with us Gabriela Gómez-Saxon, She's a junior at Wake Forest and is currently studying abroad in Salamanca, Spain. Gabriela grew up speaking Spanish and English at home and also attended a dual immersion school in North Carolina. Hello, Gabriela. Thank you for making the time to talk to us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Gabriela,
0: can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, what languages you spoke at home uh, or other languages you grew up around and how did you learn each of those languages?
2: Um, so, growing up, I spoke English and Spanish. My mother is Colombian, and my father is from the United States. so because I spent naturally just spent more time with my mother, I think my first language was Spanish, and my dad wanted me to learn Spanish, so that was absolutely okay. Um but I did learn both at the same time, if that makes sense, I think my first words were in Spanish, but I did learn them at the same time and then, um, my grandmother. My mother's mother, she's Colombian and only speaks Spanish. lived with us for eight years, so that also really helped solidify the Spanish because, you know, I had family members that only spoke Spanish and I had family members that only spoke English. So growing up, I was able to determine like who to speak English to and who not to speak English to. Like, oh, my grandma, my my abuelita speaks Spanish. My dad's mom speaks English. like that, and then um, I also went to a preschool where um, the teachers were Hispanic. So although classes were taught in English, when it was in our free time, they would speak to me in Spanish, and they would have children that I would play with, and they would also we would speak in Spanish to each other. And then in kindergarten, I started at a K three eight dual immersion Spanish yeah Spanish and English elementary and middle school um, where half the day was in Spanish and half the day was English. So like subjects like math, um, PE, history, and like Spanish literature were in Spanish. And then other subjects like science, language arts, um, art would be in English. And another really beneficial thing from that was that all the teachers that, that were teaching Spanish were native speakers. They were from like Spain, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Argentina. And um, I think all those factors really helped solidify my Spanish. And, and another, another thing that also helped is that with that dual immersion school, a majority of the students were um, Hispanic. Oh, nice. So they also came back from, like, from homes that only spoke Spanish or spoke a mix of both English and Spanish.
1: Where are you
0: yes. from, exactly?
2: I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: Oh, nice. So Gabriela, just quickly going back, you said uh, your mom speaks Spanish and you speak Spanish with her and for a while you had your grandma who's also Spanish speaking at home. Uh, what about your parents with each other? What language do they speak? So with my mom, I speak Spanish. With my dad, I speak
2: English. And we're, when we're all together, it depends. My mom, my dad understands Spanish um, and he can speak a little bit. So if, you know, she's not particularly feeling like speaking English, she'll speak in Spanish and then he'll speak in English. and I speak in English or in Spanish but um, that's sometimes most of the time she will speak in English with all of us we'll all speak in English when we're all together like let's say eating dinner most of the time
1: so if you were all having dinner at home it would be English mostly yes but when you are alone with her it's mostly Spanish is that right
2: it's only Spanish with her (laughs) I don't like it when she speaks to me in English it's weird but my dad does know Spanish because my grandmother lived with us for so long so
1: do do you have any other family members uh living close by or that were living close by besides your grandmother and your mom
2: yes so my mother is one of four and two of her siblings also moved to charlotte and we all lived very close to each other so every weekend um i would either spend it at my aunt's house who speaks spanish or at my uncle's house who speaks spanish Um, and yeah, we were very close. We were. I was very close with my uncle. He would also take care of me too um, when my grandmother or my mom couldn't. So that was another Spanish speaker influence I had.
0: Got it. Wow. So considering your language practices now, how would you describe them? Would you say you speak only in English, only in Spanish, both languages at the same time? Does it depend on who you're talking to? How would you describe how you use both languages now in your daily life?
2: Um, like in general like when I'm at Wake or in Spain
0: or both? Or Yeah I guess you can do both because obviously it's going to be very different. Okay
2: so I think it depends who I'm talking to and the, what the context is. Um, I, I have a lot of Hispanic friends at Wake so sometimes I, we will talk in Spanish but the primary language we speak in is in English. So at my time at Wake, I'm mostly speaking in English, unless I'm in a Spanish class or I'm in office hours with a professor. Um, or I'm at OLA's organization of Latin American students event, where we try to speak Spanish. With my mother, yeah, I only speak to her in Spanish. With my family members on my mother's side, I only speak in Spanish. Same thing with my dad on and his side, I only speak in English. Um, and while in Spain, I obviously speak a lot more Spanish than I would at in the United States. But um, generally, at Wake Forest, I am mostly speaking English.
1: I, I think it's really cool that you mentioned the context on the person, because this that seems to be the most common thing among bilingual people, you know, just, it depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, need to, and, we need to specify the context on the person I'm talking to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And
2: especially like um, if my friends and I are at a grocery store and we don't want someone to understand what we're saying, we'll speak in Spanish. I mean, knowing that other people may speak it, you know, but generally we think that (laughs) others may not. I think it just
1: depends on
2: the context and yeah. Yeah.
1: Gabriela, uh, I want to go back to when you, you mentioned the bilingual school that you went to, because I think you might have been lucky enough to be in one of those first dual immersion programs that were emerging in North Carolina. Yes, I was. Um, so I'm curious to to hear from you. Um, how long did you go to a dual immersion program? Was it just elementary education? Was it more into middle school? It or was five through eight. Nine years, OK. And then during that time, do you have um, any particular memories associated with that time, positive, negative, that you can recall right now?
2: Um, I can only recall really positive ones. So in kindergarten, um, I had an Argentinian teacher. I had two, Um, one was Mexican and the other one was Argentinian. And um, the Argentinian one, Senora Linares, took a a liking to me and some three other students in the class. And she wanted to start a tango group. So we, (laughs) we would practice at our house Every I'm like Saturday or gardener
0: is doing tango, and it's very cute in my imagination.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was very funny. It was very funny. So we would have a talent show every year. So we would spend like the entire year practicing every weekend at her house. And of course, everything would be in Spanish. And so she would teach us tango, and we continued this up until sixth grade. Um, so every year at the talent show, other than doing something like a show for our class, I also... Did like a tango dance. And then um, another really nice, cool memory I have is that every year we would do um, the international parade. So everyone from like would dress up with the yeah. cultural dress yeah. from whatever country their heritage is from.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, we would just march around the par- like around our parking lot or school for Sorry. a couple hours with like a bunch of music. And it was like a fair kind of. And like everyone's parents would come, all the teachers would be there. Like past high school students, or like students that were in high school that had gone to Collinswood, would be there, and um, I would always dress up with this like Colombian little dress and um, hold the sign that said Colombia and represent it.
1: So that was nice. That's so cute. I can't. I cannot. I cannot imagine. As a kid, were you at any point able to really grasp how different your school was compared to maybe other friends that you had in other schools or not?
2: Yes and no. I didn't realize at the time, of course um how how lucky I was to be able to go to a school like that but I did know I did see some differences with um like my friend my neighborhood friends I had to wear a uniform all nine years which is a good thing I think I think uniform is a good thing but um I would complain about having to wear a uniform and like I would complain about how much work they were giving us and like how my dad couldn't help me with math because it was in Spanish. And then so I could only ask like my mom or um, like my grandma, like what's two plus two or something. But I, yeah, looking back on it, it's a really great experience. I want to send my kids to a program like that. But um, when I was growing up, I did notice differences. Oh, because my teachers were also very much like strict. Like they were like, at least my Spanish teachers, they were like my Hispanic mom you know like they they were very strict like with manners and everything so like i would complain because i'm like oh they're just like my mom sometimes like strict but looking back on it like that was good and then another thing was that my my graduating class was probably like 60 students i was like oh there's just no like there's no people like there's no new people like i've been with these kids since like kindergarten um so, like, I want to meet new people, but looking back on it, like, the class sizes were perfect, and, like, mm-hmm. you really got to know um, your, your peers. And, like, to this day, my closest friends are from Collinswood. Like, my two or three best friends that I kept from high school had also gone to that elementary and middle school.
1: Gabriela, I mean, at what point did you realize that that school was different?
2: I think, like, um, growing up, yeah, perhaps
1: after you were done with the school, like at some point, maybe when you were sharing some information with new people you met in high school or something, you were just like, oh, I, I actually went to a, a bilingual school, you know? Perhaps you knew that on paper that maybe you felt different or you kind of understood a little bit better what that meant. I did, I,
2: I did understand that I went to a bilingual school. My mom would always tell me that, oh, you're so lucky because it was a lottery system that mm-hmm. you had to get in. And oh, you're so lucky because you got to go there like since kindergarten. Um, And I think another point is when my cousins try to go to that school, and they try to get in third grade, but they didn't have the Spanish proficiency to get in in, by third grade.
0: Mm.
2: You, like, there was a certain cutoff into when they would accept students because, you know, we have skills, if you're not taking it from kindergarten, you must have skills from prior experience, and they didn't have that. So they didn't get in and they were super upset about it because their middle school and elementary school were not good. So that's when I really realized I was like, wow, like my cousins wanted to go here and they couldn't get in and they absolutely don't like, you know, their elementary and middle school. So
0: it's awesome that you never had an experience of your Colombian identity not being an asset, a cool thing, a valuable thing. From the very beginning, that was something that was positive. That's awesome. That, that was your yes, yes,
2: yes. Because so many of, like a majority of the students were there were Hispanic. You know, yeah. like everyone was like Mexican or Hondureño or peruano or something like that. You know, um, my best friend kindergarten through third grade was Colombian. So that was that was very nice, like having that shared
0: connection. Yeah, that's amazing. So it seems like you have always been very confident in your Spanish, but has there ever been a time when you felt unsure or like your Spanish wasn't, you know, good enough or embarrassed?
2: Yes, of course. Um, (laughs) I think there's a difference when you socialize in it. um, And like, yes, I speak Spanish. I would consider myself fluent, but there are things that I am lacking because I don't live in a Spanish-speaking country. Like mm-hmm. I don't know typical slang word, or like I do, but I don't know an expansive, you know, list of slang words that they would use in Colombia or mm-hmm. in other Latin American countries because every country has different words, of course. But um, like I would go to Colombia over the summers, and I would be with my cousins, and um, that was always like a really great experience because my Spanish would. Like get better, um, because that was just like full, that was only what we spoke, um, but there has been like I think in high school when I wasn't um, taking Spanish classes for half of the day, you know, or like practicing it that much is like I had gone for a summer and someone was kind of like making fun of like like my accent because I don't have a Colombian accent, um, but I also don't have a Southern accent. And I'm from the South. So, like, I don't think the accent really matters that much. But, yeah, I didn't have a Colombian accent. So, they were, like, oh, well, you're American. And I'm, like, yes.
0: You are. But I'm also Colombian. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I think that's sometimes, like, when I'm in Colombia, I think that's where, like, um, it becomes
0: more noticeable to me. Or, like, people make a point about it. Those interactions between um, cousins on trips to the home country... Are so interesting to me, and someone should study those cousin interactions because that is where, you know, the drama, the the juicy uh, bilingualism, sociolinguistic interactions are happening.
2: Yes, but I will have to say it was never my cousins that would say that; it would be my cousins' okay. parents. Oh, okay. Um, so because my cousins, they did they okay. I have two sets of cousins, so like the ones in Colombia um they had lived in Florida for a year so they were they had to speak English Mm -hmm. so I think they have that understanding like yeah I speak two languages and it's not easy you know
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um like of course you're gonna have an accent that's just normal especially if you're not from there and haven't been living there for like a a long period of time but um uh but like their their friends didn't know English so they would only speak one language and I was like okay let's hear your English then Mm
0: -hmm. you
2: know like if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about me having an accent but I know two languages where's your English like
0: yeah they couldn't sympathize with
2: that yeah they can't understand that like so like one of them is going to be lacking at least like in my case like because I live in the U.S. different yeah okay yeah not lacking different like one of them is going to be stronger than the other, I feel like. It yeah. just depends yeah. on the context. Yeah. Like here, like my Spanish is much stronger than it right. would be in the US, I feel like.
1: Right. Yeah, more active. And, yeah,
2: Yes, yes.
1: And do, do, you, do you think that, I mean, I think this insecurity, it's really common on bilinguals and I've actually experienced some of it myself and I'm not, I'm the opposite to you, right? At some point, um, but I'm curious to, to ask you, do you think that maybe going to this bilingual school gave you um, Some tools to face that insecurity, or it helped out with with that somehow. Yeah,
2: it did because I talked to my like all my friends that I still keep in contact from the angle school struggle with what I struggle. Like my friend Myra, she's like she would go to Mexico. She went to Mexico this past summer, I think. And her and her family was being like, "Why do you talk like that?" Or like, "Why do you have kind of like and not like a strong American accent, but like with some words she might seem that she has." An American accent, mm-hmm. and um, and I was like, Myra, well, that's just, I mean, that's what's expected. You know, we were raised here, but we also speak Spanish. You know, this is something like we all struggle with. And like, um, I have another friend. He's Venezuelan. His father's Venezuelan, and his mother's American. And he would like talk to me like, Oh, yeah. Sometimes I get embarrassed by speaking Spanish because I feel like it's not as strong as like it used to, or as it could be, because, you know, I don't practice it nearly as much anymore. So I think that is common. And I'm glad that, like, I have my friends from that bilingual school to, like, understand what it's like to, you know, be Hispanic, but not being able to speak it perfectly with an accent and know every single word, Um, because we only know what we're going to be using, like, um, I remember I had this distinct memory of like I was probably ten, and my grandmother would uh, teach Spanish at the lo- local library. So like to like only um, native English speakers. I don't know how that worked, but one day we were having lunch with one of the um, one of her students, and her student was like, "Oh, so you're like completely bilingual?" And I was like, "Yes, yes." And then she asked me to say the word mortgage in Spanish. <laughs> like. I'm ten. I don't even know what a mortgage is. Much less (laughs) less am I going to know what that word is in Spanish. Like I've never used that word.
0: Yeah, that's so. I remember that specific word teaching. I had to teach that in a Spanish class at Purdue, and I was like, okay, so mortgage is hipoteca. (laughs) Do you guys know what mortgage is? And they were all like, no. Uh, Yeah. So So, yeah, they didn't even, and they were college college college. students, and they didn't know what it was in English. Yeah so like in that moment I was like oh my That's God. such a weird you like know? random test. <laughs> yeah
2: people know people love to do the random test though they're like oh you're you can speak Spanish then like speak Spanish to me and I'm like okay what do you want me to say? Yeah you know, that's like, always so awkward like,
0: say something in
1: Spanish. I'm like or the most random word. Yeah. Ever <laughs> Super weird. Yeah. I think Gavilla, you're bringing up a really good point that I never thought about is the community that you may build in that bilingual yeah. school, you know, and I never thought about it that way. I thought about the academics, but not what's behind that or the group of friends that you might grow up with. So that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right. So you mentioned security, but I'm curious to see if like many other bilingual teenagers, did you at some point refuse to speak Spanish? Did you go through that phase in which you were like, I'm not, I'm not doing this with you, <laughs> maybe with your mom. With your grandma, like I don't want to speak Spanish at all.
2: No, because my mom would have like if I spoke to her in English, she would not. She would like <laughs> potentially hear me, um, <laughs> and like that was never an option with my grandmother because if I had refused to speak Spanish, there was no way of communicating with her. And because like in my, I was grown up like in the household, being bilingual was always like a strength that was always something to like be chasing after that was like the standard kind of Mm -hmm. um it was very much encouraged so I did not go through that phase but my cousins did though my cousins the ones that lived in Charlotte that had a, a Colombian father but an American mother um did go through that phase they refused to speak any English I mean any Spanish and um yeah I remember there was a period of time where I would have to translate um, between my cousins and my grandmother and I think it has to do with them like going to a non-bilingual elementary and middle school maybe they were made fun of it or something like that or maybe they were insecure because they couldn't speak it like very well so they were like oh, I'm not going to speak it at all right I'm not really sure what the what the case was but um, I do remember that
0: yeah I yeah. think those are both and, probably causes
2: yeah probably both and probably because they Of course, you spend more time with your mother, so the mother didn't speak Spanish, so I think that was another reason.
0: Right. Can you talk a little bit about that identity question a little bit more? Do you feel like you're more American, more Colombian, something neither, both? How would you describe what you are?
2: I would consider myself Colombian-American or Latino or Latina, sorry. Um, but I did struggle with it leaving Collinswood, my um, dual immersion school, I did struggle with it in high school, because, you know, there was, my high school was the biggest high school in North Carolina, there was about 3,000 students, so I met a ton, it was a huge change, and I met a ton of people who didn't know me, because I had been going, like, at least all my peers knew my mother, (laughs) like, they knew that she was a spanish teacher they knew that she was colombian and they knew i was colombian but when i at high school like i had to reintroduce myself to people and um they they would see my last name or something and know that i spoke spanish so they would be like what are you like and i and i'm like what does that even mean and i guess they were like they were trying to ask like, like my ethnicity
0: yeah
2: yeah and um, well, I would be like, I'm Colombian, I'm Hispanic, and they would be like, Oh, you don't look like it. And I was like, What's a Colombian supposed to look like? What's a Hispanic supposed to look like? Um, and I think like once I started in that asking that question, that really made people think, and like, that's true because there's Afro-Latinas, you know, there's white Latinas. It just like you can't you can't determine someone's ethnicity by just like looking at them. So. Yeah, I did struggle with that. I, I would say my freshman year, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I, I, I apparently don't look Hispanic, whatever that's supposed to mean, something I never struggled with before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I would consider myself more Colombian than American just because of the cultural aspect um, mm-hmm. because so much of my mother's family lived in Charlotte. And my mother is very engaged with the Hispanic community in Charlotte. So like we like during Christmas, we would always go to other people's houses. And like, um, like a Colombian tradition is to like play music during like for two weeks before the 24th and, you know, read little stories and do little prayers and like everything would be in Spanish. So like I grew up with a lot of like cultural aspects of being Colombian. So like I would consider myself more Colombian than um american
1: lauren you don't know this but i happen to have met Gabriela's mom and she's a lot of fun because <laughs> she came to visit her here no i was just gonna ask have your mom ever told you your parents in general why or do you know the story behind why gomez has come in before saxon
0: oh yeah in Your name.
1: okay so
2: um actually gomez is not officially my last name it is my middle name oh, um,
0: oh.
2: I have two middle names um it's Gabriella Michelle Gomez Saxon but I like to put Gomez Saxon because that's how my mother goes by one um and two because I feel like it is more representative of my identity because if you if you, if you see Saxon you're gonna be like oh
0: Anglo-Saxon like very much <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's right there it's right there in the name
2: <laughs> yes yes so like I I in like non-official documents, I'm going to put Gomez Saxon, nice. um, but it's actually my middle name.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
2: Yes. Hmm. Because okay, because my mother, my mother's last name is Gomez Saxon, and it's hyphenated, and that's her official last name. Right. But um, in so many official documents, like taxes and things like that, the IRS has like a problem with hyphenated names, and my dad didn't want um. For me to like have that issue yeah um so he just they it. just made it the gomez
1: as part of my middle name yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah it's really complicated I, I think we made a mistake with the kids and uh lucas's last names I hyphenated but noemi's last names are not so good luck oh to no. us <laughs> well our poor children have uh, uh well
0: did, does Fernandez have an accent for them did you put the accent on it
1: i did they they yeah, refused yeah. to put it on the piece of paper and they wanted us to do it electronically and then I said no I want it and I had to fight the nurse at the hospital and they did put in Gutierrez too right yep yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it, was it was not easy yeah. it was not easy they didn't want it but I I was like I'm sedated I'm tired I'm mad just give me the accent mark
2: <laughs> I can't believe they even like question you with that like I I find that they just expensive. said. I think they it said it is more uh,
1: difficult. Like you have to. Yeah, they just saying like have cause a, a red flag things. and. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll I, ask you this question since I'm here with you, but um, I wanted to know how has this semester? Because I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> has this semester abroad impacted your bilingual practices or identity? How has this experience done that, if at all? Maybe, maybe hasn't. Okay, so
2: a couple things. Um, there are some Hispanics, Lauren, um, in, our, in our group. Um, and there, there's three of us, four, 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 I'm sorry. Um, and we all have very kind of different levels of um, fluency and like connection with our culture. Um, so there's this other Colombian girl um, and she is one of the few Colombians I met from Wake Forest one. And um, she did not go to a bilingual elementary and middle school and she does not speak Spanish at home, I believe. Um, and nor she, does not, she doesn't really know much about her Colombian culture. Um, so like sometimes we'll be talking about like how I celebrate Christmas or things I do with my family. And um, she was like, wow, that's so cool. Like I wish, you know, my mom would like had done that for me or like cooking a typical food, like Colombian food. Um, arepas she doesn't know how to do it so I was gonna like teach her maybe in Charlotte um maybe how to make arepas or like you know try to connect her more to the Colombian culture or more Hispanic culture she doesn't listen to music in Spanish she doesn't know how to dance um to like you know salsa or something like that so like I kind of like I want to teach her that because I think that would be nice and I told her to um
0: (laughs) yeah or the tango
2: and I told her to join um OLAS, the Organization of Latin American Students, and um, she seemed, she's very shy and she seems like, she's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if my Spanish is good enough or something. And I'm like, no, that's like, the point is to get us all together, like no matter different levels or anything like that, it's about heritage and like trying to connect to that. Um, So I feel like that experience was like, very like eye-opening because um, I, I could teach, Like our shared culture to someone that has like kind of you know the same experiences where like her dad's American her and her mom's Colombian like me um so I could like teach her a little bit something like that but that was cool um on one part a second part um being a bilingual in our group I don't know if you well I don't think you know this Sarah but sometimes when I'm out with some other students who are um not (laughs) um native Spanish speakers they often look to me to like um to order or to like translate or to clarify something which you know I think is cool and I like it um but I I just thought that was an interesting experience um other times I'll be out with one of my friends who has blonde hair and like we'll be ordering and I'll speak first and no questions are asked about like where I'm from or anything and then when she like orders her food they're like oh where are you guys from like it's like noticeable that you know it might be noticeable that we're not from um Spain um but one thing I do like about being insane is that people will like I'll be out sitting in the plaza or something and someone will come up to me and ask like oh where's the cathedral or something like that and I just tell them and I don't know I think that's a cool experience um they think I, I speak Spanish which is nice because That is something i've always like at least in the us people don't approach me speaking in spanish versus they'll approach my um my darker complexioned friend who's mexican um they'll approach her speaking in in spanish but that never happens to me so like being in spain and that happening to me is like very like gratifying i feel like
0: yeah that is super
1: Um, awesome yeah so what would you say is your favorite thing about being bicultural or bilingual I think my favorite thing is like being
2: exposed to different cultures and like having an open mind and understanding that you know things are different and just because something is different doesn't make it weird or you know like um I don't know like a common reaction is like oh like I don't know like to a food or like to experience or like embarrassment for not wanting to try something and like I'm I'm ready to try it i Am like open to the experience. Like I want, I want to put myself out there because I know having two cultures is pretty cool and I would like to try more. So I think that's really opened my mind up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> someone in our group, which I find very interesting when we were having lunch one day asked, why, why is there the reason, like why do we have different languages? Like, why don't we all just speak one language? and i answered i was like well with the language comes a cult like a culture and like words that don't exist in english and yes. like different perspectives and ways of thinking <laughs> so i was just like i'm glad there's different languages like I, I, like i can't language believe
0: fits the people.
2: yeah i couldn't believe that question was asked like why why do we have different languages like um but
0: is there any yeah. least favorite thing that you want to
2: Um, I think my least favorite thing would be, like, oh, you're never enough, maybe, Mm -hmm. like, you're not enough Colombian, or you're not, you know, well, I, because of my skin tone, I don't very much face that, like, question of ethnicity, or, like, you're not American, Mm -hmm. but um, I think, I mean, neither in in Colombia either, but it's more of, like, speaking, like, oh, you don't have, like, the perfect accent, and you don't use, like, all the slang words everyone uses or you're not completely formed, informed about the politics in Colombia like you're not you're not enough or something like that but I think I started like realizing that you don't need to know all those things to still be Colombian or right.
0: whatever yeah there's a lot of um range of experiences within people living in Colombia as well you know there are people who know more slang than others um do you think that your bilingualism or your identity will play a role in your professional life in the future?
2: I I hope so. I really do hope so.
0: Um, That is,
2: so I originally was going to do a minor in Spanish and that just be it, but um, I wanted to study abroad and um, Salamanca was the perfect opportunity for me to get a, you know, complete my major. Um, And I, I originally wanted to do a minor because I wanted credibility to my ability to speak Spanish um, because I feel like there's a difference between saying, yeah, I can speak Spanish and having like something to back it up, Um, not only with like my, you know, k eight bilingual education, but like having a diploma. Mm -hmm. So that was the original reason I wanted to get a minor so I could, you know, in a job interview or, you know, in an application, like I'm a minor, like I have a credibility behind me. And then the major is just adding more, I feel like to that credibility, Um, especially studying abroad, I feel like that also helps. But yes, I would love to practice. um, I wanna be a psychologist. So I would love to like have, you know, um, Spanish speaking patients or honestly, I would love to live in a Spanish speaking country, um, whether it be Spain or Latin America. So I feel like having um, a diploma or, you know, like an education um, in Spanish, like a higher education in Spanish will allow me to do that.
0: Yeah, it just opens more doors. Yes, yes.
2: I would, I would really love to use my Spanish, because that was what we were taught, K through eight. They were like, you're going to be a bilingual. This is going to be great on like applications. It's going to look great. You know, like you're going to have to use this to your advantage. That was also told to me in high school, and now in college, I really get
1: to see the benefits of that. That's awesome. Um so moving forward we talked about your professional life um have you ever given it some thought to the idea of maybe having kids and if you want to have kids uh, will you raise them bilingual will you try at least oh i will 100% raise them bilingual
2: um i will do every effort for them to learn spanish um if i am living in the us i will um send them to a K-8 school like I did, I will make them take Spanish classes in high school in in continuation, um, and I would only speak to them in Spanish, and I would look for a partner, I would prioritize a, like, a Hispanic partner or someone that speaks Spanish, I feel like that's very important to me, Um, and, you know, try to (laughs) keep, keep the, at least keep my, like, my mother close so that she could, you know, also speak to them in Spanish and have that, like, or or my dad. (laughs) Um, But like try to keep you know that familiar connection um, of like speaking in Spanish and I would send them to Colombia like every summer with like my cousins and my cousin's kids like take them for the summer. But ideally I will be living in a Spanish-speaking country so they will learn Spanish by socializing it, by going to school in Spanish, and by me speaking it to them.
1: And you'll have to speak English, which is a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Gabriela. This was really a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, we really appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
2: I think this is a very um, interesting topic, and an important one, too.
1: We'll have to invite your mom to an episode too. She's yeah, funny. yeah, that would be she great. Would great. Well, thank you so much uh, to those of you listening from home, and we'll see you next time. Ciao. Bravo. If you ever have questions for us or questions about the podcast, go to home in our website at www.multilingualmamaspodcast.com and click on the link for questions. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and stay tuned for another episode of Multilingual Mamas.